Brent, go ahead. Gonna... Yeah, I didn't hear you. Good. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a little bit weird this morning. I haven't seen you guys or you in a long time. I told everybody when I got here this morning, man, I just want to wrestle. I'm like the brother. I just want to like pick on people and wrestle and give somebody a noogie. Sorry. I hope this is not embarrassing me, but if it is, I will. Welcome, Grace Life Church. Um, many of you are different homes right now gathering for uh, or regathering for a semi-corporate worship. And that is really cool. Um, as we step back into uh, truly gathering corporately uh, on Sundays to worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then those of you that are just at home watching, like my family. Hey, family. Hey, wife. Um, welcome to you guys. We miss all of you guys so much and I uh, can't wait to be together again. So welcome. Uh, we're going to have a time of worship. Many of you have your own instruments at uh, the homes that we're gathering at, and you're going to have your time of worship, and then we're going to have our time of worship as well. And then we'll be reconvening for our message today uh, on adoption, on your adoption, on the adoption that is offered by God the Father. So without further ado, men and TJ, come on up and let us begin, okay? So I invite you guys to stand with us. You guys are at a um, at a satellite home, or uh, you guys are watching online. Uh, just sit down and worship with us. Blessing be your name. 
Blessing be the name of the Lord. Blessing be the glorious name. Blessing be the name of the Lord. Blessing be your name. Blessing be the name of the Lord. Blessing be the glorious name. love you father god just we ask, ask that as we uh, just lift these praises up to you god that we would just be reminded of how the early church um came together father and how they were able to meet in their homes and we just praise you that we were finally able to just meet and fellowship god and not take that for granted on how important it is for us to be able to fellowship with our brothers and sisters in christ father and just to be able to love on each other and um how important it is for us just to encourage and love um and we just love you father and just for being the example of that um we just love you Oh, uh-huh. 
God, we just thank you. We love you. God, we just pray that um, that you would just work through your, this message this morning, Father God, and that uh, you would just move in the hearts of your people, Father, um, that you would open our eyes and open our ears, um, give us understanding and wisdom, um, just seek your counsel, Father God, and seek your word first in all things, Father. We just love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, men, TJ, Kyle, John, for leading us in worship at uh, the other homes, guys. Thank you so much for that and for that beautiful song there at the end. How fitting that is uh, as we begin our time together in God's word today. But right now, as we as we uh, come around to all unite again on the interweb uh, to tune into our message as we're wrapping up our songs uh, give the give the weekly shout out. Let us know you're online. Let us know you're there. Um, do the live chat thing. I, I'd never done that before until coronavirus, where we had to do this. I'm like growing in technology. It's amazing. And uh, thank you, I guess. But yeah, we have good morning from Foden and Danny Taylor. Foden, hey Danny. Good morning from Aaliyah and her crew. Danielle Markham. And Darlene and Jesse. Amazing. Good morning. You guys hearing all these names? And also let me know if we're talking loud enough or if there's any problems whatsoever, okay? Because we want to strive to do the best we can to feed this from the metropolis of Osteen, Florida, uh, to your living room. So let us know. Any other shout outs out there? James Engelman says good morning. Brother James. All of you guys are famous now. <laughs> I've mentioned your first names only on the internet. World, You are worldwide. Sam. Good morning. I better move this. Hey, Sam. And Debbie. And Mark. So half of Aster is joining in. Okay, good. <laughs> All right. Nicole. Half of us don't even know where Aster is. Oh, Nicole Heard. Nicole. Well, I would hope so oh, if I Sam's on. Yeah. Oh, and none other than Abby and the kids are here. Abby and the kids are here. Checking in. All right, guys. So are we all together from all the different homes right now? The Kakari or the land location is on. I have to stand okay, still. We're, we're just waiting on Deltona, but good morning, the land location. Good morning, the land. Matt Lindsay's house. You guys can talk to me through the computer. They won't think you're weird. We're all weird. You might as well just go ahead and own it. Debbie wanted to clarify, she's in poor order this morning. Oh, <laughs> so half of Aster's empty right now. Okay, sounds like a fun place to be. The half are watching from home. <laughs> hey, F-Falter family. So Deltona is coming online. Yeah, Tommy says hello. He's in the land today. Hey, Tommy. <laughs> the rooster's here. I just heard him. Yes. Rooster gave a shout out. That's a great time if you're at home to grab a drink. That's right. Settle in for a bit. So we're still waiting on Deltona. Won't be long. They are singing their full hearts out. I'll tell you what, I am, uh, I've got it because we're going to do an intro and it'd be weird for you to come up in about five or 10 minutes for you to read the scripture. So sit tight, embrace yourself. It really is good to be here. Thank you guys. And thank you, Tommy, for asking me. Um, and I hope Deltona is tuned in by now, but um, thank you for asking me to share on adoption. Um, 
last year, which doesn't seem like that long ago, but here we are in May 2020. Um, but last year, I wanted to share on the subject or topic of adoption, uh, because many of you know that uh, my family entered into the foster care system a couple of years ago, and we were blessed uh, with our youngest child right now. Um, that foster child moved into uh, an adoptee. He is now our child, 100% legit. And uh, so as that adoption date approached last year, man, I just, I don't think I had ever paused and felt the reality of my own adoption by God. I really never hadn't. I admit that. I had never spent uh, anything longer, any time longer than maybe a sermon on it. I don't know. And, and really it began to just really land on me and just cause me to worship God in a new way and just um, really consider who I am. And so today we are going to be talking uh, on about adoption. Um, we're going to talk about the subject of adoption. And our verses, if you want to go ahead and turn there, is Romans chapter 8. And we're just going to take verse 15 and 16. We are literally, we are like in a helicopter and we were jump. We are being, we are just jumping right in into the middle of God's grace in chapter eight of Romans. All right. So we're going to pick up there in 15 and 16. I'll be reading it here in just a minute. Um, but today's, if you're taking notes and I encourage you to, the people that are here, they have a little printout uh, to follow along on. But today our topic is, uh, our title is Adoption, A Miraculous Reality of God's Grace. A Miraculous Reality of God's Grace. Is Deltona with us yet? Yeah. Yes. Okay. We're complete. Uh, and for all of you who are not a part of Grace Life and tuning in, welcome. We are so glad that you are taking time to view in and listen to uh, God's Word preached this morning. Thank you so much. Romans chapter 8, 15 and 16. Go ahead and open there and be ready. Um, but first, I want to give you guys just a little bit of general statistics, general information on the foster care system here in the U.S. Briefly, I would be remiss if I did not just address this. And we're going we're gonna to address it right out of the gate before we move into our text today. So May, as some of you know, the month of May is Foster Care Awareness Month. Anybody know that? Now you do. Look at there. Hey, guys. So May is Foster Care Awareness Month. The foster care system in the United States is a very large, somewhat efficient, and very complex system. It includes, obviously, the kids that are in the foster care system, the parents, both the biological parents and the foster parents, the case managers, the social workers, the judges, the lawyers, the ad litems, the office personnel, the therapist. Just to name a few, there's a lot involved in the foster care system, and we are so blessed to actually have that in this country. In America alone, here's some statistics. In America alone, there are approximately 400,000 children in the foster care system. And 100,000 of them, and about 100,000 of them, are in need of an adoptive home. They're in need of a home. The reason for these children being in the system range from neglect to various or multiple forms of abuse. Now, let's zoom in to just Florida, just the state of Florida, because we're all here in the state of Florida. Just the state of Florida. Here's some, I believe, encouraging statistics. The phone's almost going to fall, FYI. Save the day. There it goes. Oh, don't do that. I got sideways there for a second. In Florida, follow along, listen to these numbers. Are you ready? There are 24,404 children in the foster care system. 24,404. 9,144 of those children are in need of adoption. Still with me? In Florida, there are 11,893 churches. Let those numbers soak in. Ponder that. Do the math. 
I look at these numbers and I'm thankful that God does not call us to impossible task. 24,000 children in the system, 11,000 churches and plus churches in the state of Florida. I'll let, I'll let that set with us. I'll let that just soak in. The purpose of our time today, however, is not to motivate you to enter into the foster system. God does that. I'm not here for that today. That is God, God's ultimately his work. I will not be encouraging you to go out and adopt a child. Um, although I would love that and support that and encourage that uh, decision. Some of us uh, should enter the foster system uh, and, and adopt, and some of us should not. Instead, some of us may be better suited to uh, just support uh, materially or financially or physically um, foster families or adoptive families. And the ways of doing this are very many. We can, uh, we can offer babysitting. We, uh, if you are a dad, you can mow the lawn of a dad that needs to spend more time with his kids. Um, if you're a single person, you can take the grocery list to the grocery store and do the grocery shopping and come back. If you have the means to uh, help with a need uh, of the family, you can do that. So many ways. They're replete. Uh, it's just so many ways you can help out and serve foster care ministry. We are, we are thankful that we entered the foster care system a couple of years ago. Um, sure, we were a little bit fear, fearful, but, you know, I remember we were thinking, man, how is God not going to, phone's, phone's falling again. <laughs> how are we not going to bless this? Totally falling. I have saved the day again. Check it out. Thank you. My hero. <laughs> so. And we're so thankful we did because we've been blessed so much by this little guy, two years old now. Uh, many of you know him. Probably can't wait to see him because he's changed in two months, kind of like your kids. I'm like, whoa, what happened? Have I not seen you for two years? My goodness. So, anyway, but foster care can be both a blessing and it can be challenging. I understand that. I get that. One of the most beautiful stories I ever heard that displays both as we transition into our, our, our message this morning was a story I heard on the radio one time by Tony Evans. Um, and it was, I think it was a focus on the family interview. They were, you know, they do the 30 minute interviews and, and whatnot. And I was listening to this story one time, Tony Evans, if you don't know, he is a preacher. He is a uh, speaker and author. Um, I like him a lot. I love him. And I love him more after I heard this story for sure. I mean, if, as if I could love him anymore. I don't know. He's a brother in Christ. But, and, and the details of the story are not perfect, so forgive me, Evan's family. But um, I, I would love to hear the real version straight from you. But, uh, but, but here it goes. I, I heard this story on the radio one time. From them, from him, and it was, um, I think his sons were present maybe. And the Evans family was in the foster care system, and they got a phone call about these two brothers, these two boys. They were early teens or preteens, and uh, they, they were the type of kids that didn't last long in a foster home. They had been kicked out of many foster homes, and they had been kicked out of yet another foster home, and they, uh, the Evans family got a phone call. They got a phone call, and the situation was explained to them, and they said, man, we're sorry, but... We hate to ask you to do this, but would you be willing to take in these children, these kids? And um, the Evans family said, yes. Yes, we will. And so the kids came in and everything was OK for a little while. Of course, you know, I mean, it was um, all, you know, peaches and roses at first. Right. You know, bringing in the foster uh, kids and a little, little time passed, maybe a couple of weeks. And the two boys were playing upstairs. And they were apparently playing with fire. Well, the playtime turned into fire time for the Evans home, I think, if I remember the story, totally going off memory. But this is the way God gave me the story when I was listening. This is what's in my memory. The Evans home burned. And 
Tony Evans was off. He was speaking somewhere and he got a phone call from the hospital from his wife and said, I'm at the hospital. Don't worry. Everyone's okay. But there's, there's been an accident. There's been a, a house fire. Our house has been, has caught on fire and the boys are okay. Everyone's okay. She explained the situation and he came home. Obviously you would come home upon news like that, right? Now, many of us right now, we're going through our minds and we may even be justifying, man, see, that's why I'm not in the foster care system. Man, listen to this story. Listen to this. He comes home, of course, greets everyone. Glad you're okay. You can imagine such such grace was was extended to the family and they were thankful and they were maybe in an apartment, I think, uh, some, some, some days or weeks later, uh, sitting around the table at dinner and the oldest boy, I remember this part was true, the oldest boy kind of slammed the table. He, he was crying and he was frustrated and he said, when are you going to do it? When are you going to do it? And they were like, what, what are you talking about? When are you going to kick us out? Everybody else does. We know how you feel. Everybody treats us the same. And I'll never forget, this is what that man told those boys. He says, well, I'm not kicking you out. You're in my family. You're in my home. We love you. No matter what, we're here for you. And that moment, as you can imagine, impacted those boys. Ultimately, those boys ended up being saved. For the first time ever, those boys had experienced the love of a kind father. The love of a kind father. If I may be blunt today, if you're listening and you're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, our objective today is to ponder, to know, to see the facts of your own adoption. That's what we're here for today. Additionally, if you're listening today and you have not been saved, have you not, if you have not received salvation by faith through grace in Jesus Christ, then I intend to show you the Father, the God of the Bible, that is welcoming you into his family right now. His doors are open. A room is made ready for you. Nourishment is available. Provision and security is plentiful. And your rights there are permanent. And then those of you here today listening, and for those of us that are unsure, are you really in God's family or not? That's a good question. And I say that's a good question because God invested heavily in answering that question for you. Heavily, as you'll see today in our text. Now, adoption. This is really cool, and some of you know this about me. I like definitions. I like words. Um, I like to really know what it is I'm talking about. So adoption is one of those words we use a lot. Like I was, like I said, man, sometimes I just never had stopped and thought about it. So let's just talk about the word adoption. The English word adoption that we use in our lingo means the, uh, the act of adopting, right? But we get our word adopt from the Latin word Ad optio, which means to odd choose. Optio, to choose. Well, man, that's just like, that's awesome right there, right? The definition of adoption is this. I looked it up. I think it was the Cambridge definition. The action or fact of legally taking another's child and bringing it up as if it was your own. The fact of being adopted. That's the definition. And I love that it includes the fact. Facts are real, right? You really can't disprove facts. You can't go against facts. Facts don't change. Facts are facts. In our Bibles, the word, weothesia, the Greek word used for adoption, is only used five or six times, and it's in the New, New Testament. And my Greek lexicon 
says the nature, the, the definition in the Greek, this word is meant to mean the nature and condition of the true followers of Christ who by receiving the spirit of God into their souls become sons of God. The nature and condition of the true followers or disciples of Christ who by receiving the spirit of God into their souls become sons of God. Now that brings us to our text today. I'm going to start reading in chapter 8, verse 14 of Romans. So turn there if you haven't already or scroll there on your phone. I'm going to start reading in 14 because I don't want this to trip you up. This, this is a sidebar. Sons of God. You see that in the Bible occasionally. It is actually, queos is the, it literally means sons. And it's not a gender neutral word. But textually, it is always inclusive. And we're just going to go ahead and put this to rest right now. This is for sons and daughters. Verse 14 of chapter 8 says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Raise your hand if all includes you. There you go. All right, we're going to put that to bed. We're not going to camp out there and let that trip us up any longer, okay? So let me continue reading. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. You are all one in Christ. We are all one in Christ. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Verse 15. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. That's our verses for today. Let's pray before I begin. Father, we thank you for your presence, God. We thank you in advance for your presence. We thank you that your Holy Spirit is working and not dependent upon me or anyone else here, God. Lord, let your will be done today. And God, draw us to you. You teach us. Jesus said, let the children come to me. So, Lord, teach us that we are children, one way or the other. And, Lord, draw us to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Today, we're, we're camping out on these two verses as we consider our adoption. These two verses bring up a lot, but we are going to focus on three realities. Three realities. Number one, God does not cause you to live in fear. God does not cause you to live in fear. Number two, God gives you the best thing of all, himself. God gives you the best thing of all, himself. And then the third reality we're going to speak to is God intends to witness to you that you are his. God intends to witness to you that you are his. Those are the three realities we are going to see here in the text today. Number one, God does not cause you to live in fear. Verse 15, listen to it. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons. Now, what is the focus here? Is the focus really us? What is What point is Paul really trying to pull out and make right here? No, this what Paul is trying to say is this is about God. This verse is about God. It's about the spirit. You see that there? There's a lowercase s and a big, a big S. There's a difference. Paul wants us to know who actually and really brought us into his family. God wants us to make wants to make sure that we know what our new father is like. Paul knows 
that you and I know, as the church in Rome knew that this letter is written to, that we are saved by God, the Father, through Jesus. Now, Jesus, God the Son, demonstrated to us in his reality and by his teaching what God is really like. But, as we all know, the brick wall that we, that we hit so often, almost immediately and every day after, is our ingrained, erroneous perception of what kind of God, what kind of father God is. Tommy touched on this a little bit last week. Our misperceptions of God. We have a different view of God in our minds than the God of the Bible at times. Paul has to both audibly and textually tell us over and over again, hey, your father is not a tyrannical, self-interested, unconcerned, distant, unfeeling, virtue-counting, fear-driving authority. That's not who your father is. He is a good and intimate, giving father that chose you and placed you in his home, under his care. You, me, orphaned, homeless, and even worse than that, his enemies. Let's talk about that for a minute. The Bible talks, of, let's talk about us. The Bible talks about us. And here's some of the things it says about us. Some things that we need to remember because, man, it helps you worship God all the more, especially when it comes to adoption. Ephesians 2 says, of, says uh, that we were dead following the spirit that was at work in the sons of disobedience. And we were by nature children of wrath. Husbands, you can look at your wife and say, honey, you, you used to be children of wrath. <laughs> Sorry. Romans 5 says that we were weak. It says that we were sinners. It says that we were enemies of God. Wives, you can look at your husbands and say, yeah, you're, you, were, you were weak. Remember, you were weak. Ha ha. Come on, guys. It's getting hot out here. The sun's out. Psalm, Ecclesiastes, Isaiah says things like we have done no good. None of us understood God nor sought God. We turned aside, to, we turned aside away uh, towards unrighteousness at any given opportunity. That's the Old Testament. Jesus himself said, as he was teaching his disciples one, one time, he said, if you then who are evil, he said that to his disciples. Man, evil, even good versus evil, right versus wrong is all written into our DNA. We, we know it. Romans 2 says that the law of God is written on our hearts. Even our con consciences bears witness against us. Even our conflicting thoughts, we cannot escape. And if we attempt to do and be good all on our own, all that we might achieve is just a little better than the other guy. Never achieving perfect goodness, never achieving righteousness. No wonder that we default to a dreadful fear of God, right? Let's face it. Our view of what God is like, what kind of father that he is, let's face it, it's more often too low than high enough. Too demanding. We, we, we're often too demanding of him than giving all to him. He's too condemning than the least bit liberating. Too fatal than, it, than too invigorating. Those are our views of God. A.W. Tozer said, what comes to our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. That's an interesting statement. I love the story. Let me illustrate this for you. And I, I can't take credit. A, a pastor I love gave this story one time. And this illustrates this point actually beautifully. This, this guy was young elementary school kid, and he was in the hallway doing something bad. 
He wasn't supposed to be doing it. Maybe he wasn't even supposed to be in the hallway. And so he was doing something bad. And oh, look, there's the teacher. The teacher's coming. So in order to escape being caught, he jumped behind something and hid. Right? So he was, he was there hiding when not too long, a head peered over him, looking down on him. He was caught, busted. Now, that same teacher later on that day left school, drove home, parked in his driveway, walked into the door, greeted his children, and his children greeted him back. Hi, Dad. Hey, Daddy. Warmly, affectionately. What's the difference? What's the difference? Avoidance versus affection. What made the difference? Those girls were his kids. They were his family. You see? Paul is saying here in this verse, he's saying to us that your father really does love you like a real father. With a love like you've never dreamed. Romans 8 starts out as there is no condemnation. It ends and there is no separation. That's his message to you. He is your good and giving father. And you can have him. We can have him if we just let go of our misperceptions of him. God wants us to know this so much that he sent his only son. This is very important to God. And it's very important to us. But that's where it is. It's the idea of family. The miracle of salvation leading to your adoption into God's family by God the Father is a reality that is so hard to take hold of for us. And God in his mercy knows even this about us. So he does something astonishing. He doesn't just grant you repentance. He doesn't just grant you faith. His goal is for you and me not just to put you into a church membership. It's not just to give us some modest life upgrade. No, he welcomes you into his family, back into relationship with him. And he will stop at nothing to make you into the image of his son so that your relationship with him can be perfect. No longer are we against him. No longer condemned and separated from him. That's what God does. And this leads into our second point, our second reality. Second reality that our verses speak to is God gives you the best thing of all. Himself. Verse 15, once again, look at this. Look at it. You have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. You have received the Holy Spirit of adoption. God, the Holy Spirit of adoption. Adoption, And this is not, just as our definition points out, just as the text points out, this is not an ideal, but this is a reality. Adoption. As sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father, we are not in the orphanage of the world any longer. Out there, orphaned and destitute, having nothing but misery and doom for the destiny. We have a new father, one that is really faithful, one that is really stable, one that is really pure, really good, really giving, really true. All my children, they're my children because they really are my children. <laughs> There's nothing that they can do to change that. And it's the same for you kids that are here and that you kids that if you're listening, it's the same for you. There's nothing you can do to change that. They're not only legally my children, but my own DNA is in them. No sin, 
no good thing or bad thing, no word, no wrong motive, no achievement, no, no failure. Nothing changes that fact, that reality any more or any less. And nothing, now this is where it gets even better, nothing changes my devotion to them. I will always love them, care for them, provide for them, advocate for them, give to them. I will never demand payment, demand performance, demand satisfaction from them. I cannot change them, but I will fully accept them as they are. I cannot take away their hardships, but I will be with them through them all. They are mine, and I love them, and they have me. My kids do. Simple, indestructible reality. And with God, it's that way for us. Right? But it's perfection multiplied by infinity. This, I just gave you an example. With God, it's even better. And it's not this relationship, having God, it's not some formal, stuffy reality. It's an intimate, open, safe reality. It's a real relationship. <laughs> you know, my children call me dad or daddy. They don't call me father or Dr. Carnathan. And we, in like manner, the text says here, we get to call God Abba Father. Now, that phrase, many of us know, some of us know, maybe none of us know. It's an informal Aramaic term used for father that expresses tenderness, dependence, and childlike assurance, free from any anxiety or fear of him. Abba Father. Bottle, plastic bottles dropping. Abba Father. Even Jesus referred to God as Abba Father. And we now, listen to this. We now get to call God and even cry out to him as if our life depends on it the same way that Jesus did. Let that soak in. The Son of God. And you cry out. Paul tells us, the Bible tells you, you have received the spirit of adoption by whom you cry, Abba, Father. You are not a subhuman. You are not regrettable. You are not an add-on. You are adopted into the family. Adoption in Roman times is a great metaphor. And Paul is using it here. It's a great metaphor for us because it depicts the actual, legal, tangible process, real process that occurred for us. Your adoption establishes a new beginning. All previous ties and obligations are broken. In Roman adoption, first, there was the termination of the social and legal connection of the natural family, as well as the financial burdens, as if any financial burdens, as if they never existed. Then the adoptee was made permanent, was made an, a permanent and irrevocable member of the new family. And finally, get this now, it was formalized by seven witness, witnesses in case the father of the family died so that no one would refute it or could refute it. That was kind of the quick summary of the process of adoption in Roman times. Didn't happen that often, but it happened. Isn't that interesting? Witnesses. That brings us to reality number three for us here in verse 16. Verse 16 Reality number three is God intends to witness to you that you are his. Verse 16, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Witness? Yes. We need that, don't we? We need a witness. We sometimes struggle with the assurance that we really are children of God. We need to know that we are not the added on regrettable children from some other family. 
We need to know that God is not waiting on us to slip up so he can kick us out like those boys were in that in that story that I gave earlier. So God doesn't just stop at bringing you in, guys. He continues to remind you through himself, through the Holy Spirit, that you are, in fact, his own. It's like, it's like, uh, you know, my home. I was thinking about my home and got all these pictures of the kids and everywhere. I mean, I just, they're not here, but you guys can answer. Is there any question in your mind, kids, that you belong to us? <laughs> and Jack, one day when he can call talk, he can say the same thing. No, this is my family. Look, there's my picture. You guys treat me as such. It's just, it's a reality. It's obvious. That's what God does for us. But now we have to be careful. We find it hard to believe, and we tend to occupy ourselves with the witness of the world. We tend to occupy ourselves with the witness of these thoughts, our own crazy. We might even hear things like, you will never amount to anything. Or, you'll never be like a real Christian. Or, you'll never overcome your past this sin, this fear, to be truly welcomed by, much less forgiven by, much less be useful for, much less actually matter to God. Those kind of things rattle around. We hear that kind of a witness sometimes. How about this? God doesn't even notice you. I'm telling you, that is not the spirit of God bearing witness. That is the spirit of death. Straight from hell, trying to regain the ground that it's lost on the battlefield called you. You have a power within you because you have received it. It says so. And it is not your own, thank goodness. It is from God to tell that spirit which pit it can crawl back into. Hebrews 2.14 says this. It says that Jesus, you don't have to turn there, that Jesus partook of these same suffering things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. The Holy Spirit that is given to you, that reality, God given to you intends to remind you always and every day that you are his own. My children are not in this world trying really hard to fit in and function into another family. Nor are we, right? It just doesn't even occur to us. It doesn't even enter into our mind. They're really in my family. And I'm really their dad. And God wants us to know and be sure of this new reality. We are in his family. We have a seat at the table forever. We are in his home and his domain forever. We do not have to live in fear, doubt, unassured, as if nothing matters anyway, any longer. We don't have to live as orphans. Pray like orphans, act like orphans, fear others like orphans, make life choices like orphans, worry like orphans, be bitter or sad. We are indeed children in an eternal family. All, all you need in order to be welcomed into this family is to be an orphan in this world. As all of us were, or as some of us are having nothing to offer God, but everything to receive from him. You know, Jesus came into a world that was not his home. His own did not know him. He was not welcomed in his own hometown. He had no place to lay his head. In fact, most people didn't want anything to do with him. He was even run out of town a few times. He was judged, mocked, ridiculed insulted, even beaten, even sentenced to die. 
even die on a criminal's cross, even placed into the ground in hopes to be forgotten. But it wasn't meant to turn out that way. And it didn't turn out that way, did it? Jesus, who came to do the will of the Father, for the joy, for the joy of you and I, coming home to the Father, to be called Jesus' own brothers and sisters in the Father's family, endured all of that for us. He came out of that place in the ground more alive than ever before. Not to show off, that was not it, but to share that victory with the children of God. His resurrection life overcame all of those things of death. Isn't it a miracle that the Son of God became an orphan in this world so that you and I, an orphan, might become a son or daughter of God. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we... Help our hearts just open to you, God. Show us who you really are through your word, through your church, brothers and sisters in Christ. God, show us the reality that you have for us. That you do not cause us to live in fear. God, show us the reality that you are really dead set on giving us yourself. And God, God, help us to truly become children and to be drawn unto you. God, we ask you to be with the rest of this day as you witness to us today that we really are your children. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Guys, thank you for your attention and your patience and, um, and for gathering at the homes that are out there. Thank you so much for that. And I hope you were blessed today by that time together and by this time uh, via the Internet. Megan has some announcements for us. She's going to come up and share those with us. Um, and I look forward to seeing each and every one of you soon. Okay. Thank you, Brent. Um, I just wanted to let you know, normally during this time, we'd have a time of prayer. If you wanted to pray with um, a member of our prayer team, I know it's a, we're in a little bit different of a situation. However, um, if you are currently at a satellite location um, here in Osteen or in Deltona or DeLand. Um, we have leaders at each location if you would like or need prayer that you can see. Um, if you are still watching from online, uh, you can call us um, or you can email us at contact at gracelifeflorida.com or visit our website and request prayer. There's a little um, panel at the top that says about under contact us. You can uh, submit a form to request prayer if you don't want to reach out to us via email um, or give us a call and we will have somebody um, from our prayer team or a leader reach out to you um, just so you know that, that we still want to pray for you and we still want to connect with you in that way. Um, coming up this month, we have um, another uh, Men Knowing God prayer gathering May 19th at 730 um, via Zoom. Um, email us, um, call us, message us uh, to get that link, or you can find it in the Church Center app um, if you're connected in that way. Um, we have released a, a newer um, update letter uh, regarding our phases. I'm sure you've either uh, seen that video or read the transcript version um, that Tommy had released. If you haven't um, and you are not subscribed to our email um, chain or our text message and you would like to be, you can also email us and we'll get you hooked up that way. If you don't want that form of contact, um, that letter and that video is also on our website um, under resources and then you'll see COVID uh, 19 uh, information. It's located there as well. Um, at this time, if you're here with me, you can stand or if you're at home or a satellite location, we'll say our charge together. I am a witness. I have been called to minister to my neighborhood in both word and deed. 
God has given me his spirit to equip me, his spirit to empower me, and his love to motivate me. I pledge my life for the gospel. You have been sent. This is where we all hug and shake hands. Right. <laughs>